So I want you to turn your Bibles in to Micah chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right in to the message, all right? So Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Um, if you're at home, you can stand up for reading God's Word, because we like to do that, to honor God. Uh, stand up right there where you're at, in front of your couch or chair or whatever it is that you're doing. If you're laying in bed, get out of bed. You ought at least be sitting up, watch, watch church, right? So let's, uh, let's read 1 through 3, and then we're going to pray. Uh, chapter, uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Uh, Lord, even in these times that we're in, people are calling it uh, unprecedented and uh, uncertain and all that other stuff. But Lord, we know that we know that you know exactly what's going on and we trust you. Uh, but Lord, but not even that. We know that in this time that we're in, uh, Lord, where it seems that people are seeking for questions, Lord, we know that, uh, Lord, there's some questions that we should be asking ourselves. You know, how is our walk with you? Sometimes we are in the midst of calamity and troubles. Uh, we sometimes forget that in these moments and in these times that you can truly uh, reveal things to us and especially about ourselves. So, Father, we pray today, Lord, that we'll be able to take a good look, uh, Lord, at our own self on the inside. Not think about who this message could be for uh, but what does it, uh, and what is it for me that you have for me today? Uh, and God, so we just pray today, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord, to be able to see ourselves for who we are. So Lord, because every time I see myself for who I am, I realize I need you all the more. But Lord, I also realize how much you love me because Lord, you've never left me and you've always been there for me. So Lord, we thank you today for your faithfulness, Lord, and for your endless mercy that you show us every day. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all can be seated. Now, I've, all, I've said it several times over the last uh, few weeks or month. And, well, actually, you see, the last time we actually met in this building, I believe it was March 15th. I think I had, this is the last um, bulletin. I won't know what to do when I had to start making bulletins again. Uh, the, I think Office Max wonders what happens to us. We ain't been up here to buy paper lately, right? Um, Anyway, you, several people heard me say that, you know, this ain't Egypt, Egypt and we ain't Israel. So we got to be very careful when we look at God's word. There are certain things that God is saying directly to Israel for a specific purpose. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a theological principle that we can get garner out of that. Um, but like when we look at Levitical law, we know that we no longer have to live according to that ceremonial law because Christ completed that. So we have to be careful when we look even at prophecy for Israel. Um, what is he saying directly to Israel and why is he saying it to them? And what is the purpose behind that? Um, and so we see um, God's people at a time uh, that uh, they were pretty prosperous at this moment. Micah prophesied uh, in Judah during the reign of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. We know that those were very fruitful times, times of prosperity for them. Uh, Micah denounced the, the wealthy uh, who were oppressing the poor. He also warned of impending judgment. The northern kingdom actually fell during Micah's ministry in 722. Uh, but Micah is speaking to a people who've, um, 
Well, they've actually had it pretty good, but why is it that when we have it pretty good, we still think that we need it better? Right? So, again, he's speaking to, to his people here, but we are his people, and we have to ask ourselves, why is God asking this, and what can I learn from it? So God is giving down an indictment through his prophet Micah to his people because of their, how they are acting and what they're doing and how they are not following uh, his commands, but yet he's been blessing them, and he's saying, listen, will you take a look? So he gives us an indictment, but he also gives them a promise of blessing uh, as well um, when they come to their senses, uh, if you will. Micah tells of a day that there'll be peace above all nations. Uh, he speaks of a day. Matter of fact, uh, it is Micah that tells us that the deliverer, the Messiah, would come to, through Bethlehem. It is Micah 5, 2 that we read every Christmas season, right? Uh, about the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. He tells them of a time where they will be able to beat their swords into plowshares. I mean, think about what God is saying here to them uh, and, and, and realize that, that God absolutely loves us, but God wants us to listen up. And so we can draw these principles from this passage tonight as the prophet spoke directly to God's people, yet he's still speaking to our hearts because the same principles are at work there as they are here. Is sometimes we, we, we live in a land of plenty and walk around and think that we're poor. But yet when we compare ourselves, if, in, instead, of, if, instead of comparing what I make a year to America, what if I was to compare what I make a year to the world and realize that if you make over $10,000 a year, you're in the top 10% If you make more than $30,000 a year, I believe you're in the top 5% of the world. We live in a land of plenty, but we're never satisfied. And so uh, part of me wishes we had just gone through Micah, start at chapter 1, verse 1, just literally run through the whole book. Um, I, I wish I maybe would have taught a series like that, but I, I just really feel that this is the, this is the passage for today. Uh, and so we're going to pick it up here at chapter 6. I just kind of wanted to give you a little bit of the behind the scenes, if you will. Uh, I do encourage you to go read the whole uh, book of, of Micah, right? Uh, and, and really kind of get the full picture of what God is saying to his people. But when we break into chapter 6, verse 1, think about this scene. Now, God is setting up this scene like Judah, his people, right? Like they're in court. Now, can you imagine? Now, by the way, anytime that God tells you, go ahead, plead your case. You know what you ought to do? Sit down and shut up. Right? Because we see Job. Job's like, I, you know, Job, I want to plead my case before God. God says, where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I separated the waters? I mean, think about that. That'll make you tremble in your boots, right? And so, you know, here they are. They're, they're complaining, right? They're, they're not living in a way that is, that is consistent with God's word. They're not taking care of their own people. They were oppressing the poor. By the way, you know the separation between the rich and the poor is continually growing. And the church is in the middle of this. Matter of fact, it used to be the church, it was the churches that even formed some of our universities. Some of our, our, our Ivy League schools were formed by the church. And now they're hostile toward any talk of a living God. Hospitals 
right? Hospitals started by churches, people whose hearts were, were yearning to take care of those who were sick and those who were down and those who were oppressed. And now, you know, we, we pay tax dollars. It's, it's almost as if we like the not only do we pay tax dollars, so that has to deal with it. I don't need to do anything. But not only that, but then we complain about who our tax dollars are going to. But you know that person doesn't need it. So we, we, we've dropped the ball. And I'm talking about the American church. Now, I love it here at Heritage. We have the clothing clause and things like that. I mean, we might even talk about, about that a little bit more later. But you know, when you look at overall at the American church, those who are actually out and trying to impact the community we see a true fall in the way there. Matter of fact, but I see a lot of preaching in this time that we're in the COVID virus saying this is God's judgment coming out. Listen, when God gives his judgment, you'll know it. But honestly, when, when, I, when I really look at what's happening today, I think that this might be the best blessing we've ever had. Because God is forcing us to do what we didn't have the gumption or the backbone or even the wherewithal to do ourselves, which is to stop running around every night of the week, doing everything and anything, and spending time with our families and getting back to the kitchen table. Because I've heard too many people say, man, I just pray sometimes that God would just give us more time. We're just so busy. And, and you know, we, we try to say no. We, listen, you can try to say no all you want. And we're going to get to the point. The point is tonight is, are you weary? And if so, why? We'll get to that in just a minute. But just really think about this. There's a lot of people that I've heard all the complaints. I'm not just talking about our church. But I'm talking about just people in general, people I work with, all, all kind of people, family members and all. Everybody's complaining about how busy everything is. And I'm like, well, you wouldn't be busy if you didn't do it. <laughs> you can't complain about how busy you are. Meanwhile, you're running to the car to get in. Because you have the ability to say no. No, we're not doing it. You know what I think? I think if the star players on the team say, you know what, we think two practices a week is enough. We're not major leaguers here. If somebody would just finally step up and just say, you know what, enough. If we're going to play, here's what we're going to do. And that's all we're going to do. Because there's going to be a lot of people in that day. Will be separated from their families because they didn't share the gospel or they didn't pass down their faith to their child because they were too busy making sure their child didn't get left out of whatever club or whatever it is that they wanted to do. The church has even participated in this in a lot of ways because we've even broken all we've even broken the family up in the American church because we have church for the teens over here church for the little ones over here church for these over here and listen as soon as families come in the American church a lot of them are being split up to go different ways instead of you know what imagine a father taking the son's hand or his daughter's hand and mom taking her son or daughter's hand and leading them in worship side by side that's why we've made some of the decisions here that we've made and I look at this time and everybody's like, you know, this time is crazy and all. I know, but it's great. It is great because families are finally being families again. The question will be, what will you do when this is over? Now that you finally get, realize that this time that you have is beautiful, will you treasure it enough that you will make it a priority? That's the question. And so here, just like in, today, we have these people that are here and, and God has blessed them and they're in a time of plenty and a time of prosperity. 
By the way, we'll hear a lot of people complaining of woes. And listen, I feel terrible that people have lost jobs. I, I feel absolutely terrible about that. But I believe there's been a big reset button, and I think we ought to be thankful for it. We're going to have to go back and find ways to live a little differently. I will tell you this. I don't spend nearly as much money when I ain't running around as much. I can tell you that. Sal's thankful for our bank account that I don't travel as much because Lord knows I keep McDonald's in business, especially in coffee. Coffee and iced tea, I keep them people in business. I bet you they're saying, where did Huff go? I'll be getting thanked. You know, we miss you cards. <laughs> Not to mention, I'm sure the Hilton hotel chain is really missing me. I, ain't stay I, I have slept in my bed every night for a month and a half. It is absolutely wonderful. I slept so good the other night. I got to tell you all a story. I slept so good the other night that I woke up. Listen, I woke up. I was, whew, man, I, it was crazy. I woke up, thought Sal was gone. I slept so sound, right, and got up and still was wiping the sleep out of my eyes because it's been so long since I spent that many nights in my own bed, right? And I, I get up, and, and, and I wasn't for sure where I was at at first, and I kind of I make my way out to the living room, and Sal ain't there, and I thought, well, maybe Sal, Sal sometimes gets up early. The medicine she's on, sometimes she doesn't sleep a lot of hours, and, and so it's not uncommon for Sal to get up before me, and, and I thought maybe she took a walk. Maybe she's down in the sanctuary praying, something like that. Then finally, I was like, was I left behind? <laughs> I'm not even sure I'm a premillennial yet, but, you know, I'm still working on that, 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 that revelation thing. I'm one of them pan-millennials. It'll pan out, right? Uh, the way God wants it. I, if you've got a doctorate and you don't understand revelation as far as the time you know, schedule, I, then, you know, it is what it is. I just say be ready. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning, and it'll be all right. But I thought, Lord. I knew Sal was a little more holy than me, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> so then I decided I was going to get up and jump up and down and see maybe if it just, you know, I needed an extra push on gravity or something. <laughs> so then I text Sal, Sal, where are you? I started worrying, Sal, where are you? No Sal. Finally, I FaceTime her. I'm in a living room, mind you. I FaceTime her. And I hear this, hello. All dark, I could barely see her face. Hello. Where are you, babe? I'm worried about you. I'm in bed. <laughs> Did you go back and miss me at the hallway? I ain't never got up. What's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. Go back to bed. <laughs> I, I was so rested. I didn't got up and missed the fact that my wife's even still there. And then I was worried about her thinking I was left behind. Maybe the Lord was trying to tell me so. <laughs> Only to find out I FaceTimed her from one room, <laughs> one room down. To find out she was still in bed and I woke her up. She did not look happy. Anyway, let's get back to the message. So I, I want to set up. So, so God's setting up this court case for his people. Now think about this. Hear what the Lord has says. Arise and plead your case before the mountains. <laughs> Anybody ever been to the Rocky Mountains? They're huge. I mean, you want to feel small? Go stand near those things. You're like, or go to the Grand Canyon and stand above that thing and look down. It, you talk about feel little. Think about what God's saying. God made the mountains. They all answer to him. He can shake the mountains with his voice. He tells his people, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Because we know the whole world hears God's voice. Do you see the the contrast here in just one sentence 
They're like, y'all might as well just sit down and be quiet. Best thing you could do is just shut your mouth and listen to what God has to say to you. But then we go to verse 3. We know that, well, verse 2 tells us, you know, hear, O mountains, the indictment of the Lord. But, but verse 3 is, is, oh, my people, what have I done to you and how have I wearied you? So these people are living in a time of plenty, running around weary like they don't have enough or like things ain't going good enough and like God is not taking care of them. Do you get the picture? Does it resonate for a minute and sound anything like today? Because even, at, listen, even at church time, we all know we've all done it ourselves and we've all heard of other people come in whoa we come into worship whoa is me right i'm telling you if one more thing happens this week i'm i'm so glad i hope this coming week's better than last week i mean we got all these things that are going wrong and listen coming in none knowing you don't been fed because i can see it amen because let's say some of us show the fact that we're fed very well we're all well clothed we all got enough we all got roofs over our heads but we come in like something is absolutely wrong like life is done kicked this right hey why don't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song right we will sound like charlie rich walking up in this mug like everything's done falling apart and listen god's asking the question how have i wearied you i have taken care of you i have fed you i have clothed you. I have even blessed you beyond way what you ever deserve. How have I wearied you? It's a great question. It's a question I have to ask myself. God, am I weary? And if so, why? Now, I want to I make sure that I want to just set one thing out here before anybody starts getting up on their feelings on me, right? He don't understand what I meant to him. I'm not talking about weary physically because you've been working a lot of hours. So let's set that aside. This is about being weary spiritually, which also can lead into physically. Now, some of us work ourselves to the bone and we have difficult weeks and our body is weary for where? By the way, just so you know, go back and look when God set the Sabbath. Matter of fact, Jesus said what? He said God didn't make the Sabbath for himself. He made the Sabbath for man. Why? So that we would rest. He even had Sabbath on the land. Every seventh year, they would, they would let the land just let it be and, and let it replenish. But if we don't take the Sabbath and we don't take that day of rest, listen, we can't be going around arguing with God about it and acting like, you know, he's going to have to give me some strength. No, I want you to understand that he set the Sabbath. He set that day not only for worship, but for our rest. He made Sabbath for us because we need somebody to tell us to shut up, sit down, rest yourself a while. But if you're going to keep running and burning the candle at both ends, then listen, your weariness is on But I ain't talking about physical weariness. But maybe you might have needed that extra point that I put in there. The Sabbath wasn't even written in my notes. I'll show you. But I have been working on these notes. Look at these things. I am pen marking these things all up. I got a mess on my hands. I don't even know which line to go to at this point. But we're just going to roll with it. We all get weary at some point in our life. But we have to understand. Uh, well, first of all, I, I decided I was going to look up weary. Just in case I didn't have the right understanding of weary. And so I look up them uh, uh, synonyms. Sometimes I don't say that word right. I had to work on that today. Synonyms, right? Synonyms. Synonyms is kind of, right? Or M&Ms or whatever it is, but the synonyms. That's cinnamon M&Ms, right? Now I can't. Synonyms. Right? Weary. What are some words that, that, are, that, that, that mean the same thing? Beat. Beat. 
Bleary. I never even heard of that word, bleary. That must be an English. Hello there. Are you bleary? <laughs> Burn out. Burnt out. Bushed. Dead. Done. By the way, I made a mistake. Don't ever tell somebody when they ask you when they got a dying family member. How you doing, huh? Man, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm dead, man. You can't take that one back, right? Watch what you say around people. Exhausted, fatigued, jaded, played out, pooped, prostrate, spit, tapped out, tired, tuckered, tuckered out, washed out, wearied, wiped out, worn out, and my favorite from my mother, too pooped to pucker. Weary. The kind of weariness we're referring to here is not just about a physical weariness, but it's about a weariness of life. It's when life, it's not just when we're in a, in a moment where we're working real hard and our body's just giving up on us because we've all been there, we've, we all do that, right? Be honest with you, we're recording this on Friday nights, we've all worked this week, and Chris looked like he was too pooped to pucker, but I didn't offer, right? <laughs> he looked like he could use a hug, but I wasn't going to do it. And so we, we're all, we all get physically tired. At the end of the week, we're tired. This is not what this is about. This is about being weary of life. You know what I'm talking about. When people are in, these, in life and when they talk about life, like every day that they're living, they're just weary because things aren't going right or, or things aren't the way they want them. That's the kind of weary we're talking about. That's what these people, everybody gets tired occasionally, physically, all that. But this is about being weary of life and not actually being able to enjoy and live in such a way where you exude hope. To those who need hope. Because you're running around weary. Not looking like God has ever done anything for you. Yet you're living in a time of blessing. Because that's what was happening here. That's the weary we're talking about. So I want to look at the scriptures. And I want to dive into some of the things that make us weary. By the way. Living a weary lifestyle is not what God has planned for us. That's not God's plan for us. If we're living a weary lifestyle, if we're living in that place that, that, that nothing is right and we just think that the world has just been upended and nothing is going right and, and I, I just can't stand even living. And I hear people talking about that. And a lot of the reasons I hear them say, I'm like, do you listen to yourself? You are upset about what other people are saying. You know what you need to do when other people are saying things you don't like? Turn your ears off or go somewhere else or get out of the, you know, get away from those folks. By the way, sometimes you just got to turn social media completely off. But if you allow that to make you grow weary, then listen, this is for you today. Because God did not design us to live weary when he is there promising us that he would always provide our needs. And that he would bless us if we will live according to his commandments. How could we walk around weary? Now, I'm not talking about health and wealth kind of thing here now. I'm not talking about here, name it and claim it, mountain, you got to move. Now, listen, sometimes God is going to bless you. But listen, even if you're climbing a mountain today, even if you've been in a valley and you're climbing out of the mountain, bless God, you ought not to be spiritually weary. Why? Because you know that God still has your back. He still loves you. He still cares for you. And this life is not the end of the story. We live life as if like we have this life, and then when this life is done, that's complete. Then I'll step over here to eternity. Do you realize that our soul is going to absolutely live on? That, listen, there ain't going to be no break in action. There's not going to be any break in things. Listen, I leave this world. The Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. It's, listen, it's goodbye here, hello over there. We ought to be living like we're going over there because there is where we should be laying our treasure up, not here. So we ought not live like we're weary. 
Why? Because I don't have a reason to be. But if we are weary, we're going to look at some of the reasons why and maybe some of the things that we need to look at differently if we are. First off, we know weariness can come from being in a time of rebellion or sin or even a time of rebuke with the Lord. Let's face it. We've all went through a spell in our life where I was God's child, but I just quit listening for a while. Amen? Where something else caught my attention, and instead of living for the Lord, instead of being um, just being completed and made whole by his presence in my life, I allowed my attention to be drawn away to other things. And I lived in some times in my life where I was not even, tr even trying to listen to God's voice, but yet God was speaking to me. And to be honest, I was weary because I heard God and I knew what he was trying to say to me, yet I was listening to what the world had as well. And now I found myself in a quandary because I was trying to hold both by the hand. I think about David. Think about how blessed David was. But yet David had just been so blessed and things that went so well for him in war that finally he finally sent his guys off to go fight. He stayed back. It is when David finally just took his eye off. You know, when David was in battle, when David was there leading the army, man, he stayed true to the Lord. He stayed strong in the Lord. Why? Because he depended on the Lord. Because he knew that victory depended upon God. For every time, from the time that he was a little kid, when he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Remember that? When he, when he went down to, uh, to Goliath? All the other army guys were, even his brothers, that were scared to death of Goliath. But there's little old David, little old ruddy kid, goes down there and gets five smooth stones from the brook and goes down with the sling. Listen, he didn't go there confident in himself. He went down to Goliath confident in what God could do. And as long as he had to rely on God for that, listen, things were great. But you know what happens? Sometimes we start to cruise a little bit. And when David started the cruise and sent his army off, instead of going out there and being there and being dependent upon God for that victory, he laid back. And it was then that Bathsheba caught his eye. If David had stayed with his guys and stayed fighting, guess what? David wouldn't have been there that day that Bathsheba was down there taking her bath or whatever. He wouldn't have been up on the roof of that house to see. Sometimes we get things going and things get to clicking for us and then we start to just cruise. And before we know it, something's going to call our attention. And we think that we're strong enough to handle it and we're not. You see, it's in Psalms chapter 6. Psalms chapter 6 is the first of seven uh, penitential psalms. Penitent, right? Which is, you know, when you give penance, it, 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 it's about... Falling before God and asking for forgiveness. Repent. This is what David said in, in Psalms chapter 6. Now think, think in, your, in a moment of things, of times that you've been in your life where you know that you're walking in a way that's contrary to God. And he is, he is speaking to you as just as clear and loud and you know it. But yet you're still trying to go your own way and you don't want to submit to him. Everybody ever been in that fight before? You talk about something that will wear you out. You will live every day. So weak and so restless and such just just hating life. And David in chapter six, verse six and seven, he says, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I dress my couch with weeping. 
My eyes waste away because of grief, and it grows weak because of all my bones. Man, David is broken. Now, I, I, I would ask you to read the whole chapter 6 of Psalms, and you'll see the full picture. Because he says, Lord, don't, don't rebuke me. Don't go away from me. Lest my enemies are able to see it. But David believes and knows that God will again restore him. And that God loves him. And we see that at the end of the chapter. In Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon tells his son, chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not spies the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves. A father, uh, as a father, the son in whom he delights. By the way, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 5 actually repeats that. Sometimes we're in a time of rebuke. Sometimes we're in a time where we're living contrary to God. And guess what? We aren't going to feel great about it. So maybe you're living weary. Maybe you're weary just for the simple fact that you're just not walking right. And you know it. And so what is the fix for that? Come back to him. Just come back and repent like David. Let me, go ahead and read the whole psalm, by the way. Just come back to him and say, God, here I am. I messed up. And I ask you to forgive me and restore to me the joy of my salvation. And he will. Here's another thing. Weariness can come by working against God. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 9 through 20, God gives four woes. To, to silence sinful man. He gives them a woe to the greedy, a woe to the violent, a woe to the drunk, and a woe to the idolater. I want to just look at the one that, a woe to the, to the one who is violent. Now, you got to stay with me on this. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 says, Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it is not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Now, when we think of violence, we think of what? We think of fighting. We think of physical. Have you ever thought about how violent we can be without a physical assault? How often do you think bullies actually beat people up? Very rare. They might push you a time or two, but after that, it's just intimidation. Right? If you actually go look up Right? Go look up violence. You will see that, yes, it exists in a physical nature, but it also exists in non-physical manifestations, such as strong-arming people and bullying people. We live in a time where we talk, we hear bullying all the time. Cyber bullying. Nobody ever threw a punch. We see here at Abaca that weariness comes to those who try to build anything using violence. Why? He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. You know what that means? For a time, you may have your fun. For a time, you may do your thing, but know this. You will absolutely be called out on it. And nothing, nothing is going to stand that is unjust because God is completely just and he will have his say. So weariness can come by working against God. 
We see now, now Huffer, are you talking about me in the church? No, this really refers to the people that are outside of God that don't want anything to do with them, and they're running around, and they have everything they could ever have. they got Bugattis. You know, listen, some of the most miserable people you've ever seen are rich people. How many times have we seen rich celebrities take their own life when they're at the top of their game? Because they finally got to the pinnacle of what they thought would make them happy. They've done everything they've had to do. They have scrapped and clawed and done everything to do and stepped on top of people and done everything they had to do to make sure that they were elevated above everybody else and they get there only to find out they are absolutely miserable. Why? Because when you get there, you're still not there. Because when you get there, there's still a void in your heart that no position, no movie, no song, no hit, no nothing could ever fill the void that is in your heart. That void can only be filled by God. A lot of the world is weary because they're walking contrary to God. They're working against him. By the way, the ends never justifies the means. I do feel the need to say that. The ends never justify the means. Because, listen, we have a lot of people that say they're fighting on our behalf. And we see a whole town just 70 miles east of here in Washington, D.C. We say, I don't care what side of the fence you're on, whether red or blue, they all smell like poop. They stink to high heaven. Because the ends do not justify the means. And if the church embraces something that is wrong and unholy because we think that the end is going to justify the means then the church has got another thing coming to them because God's justice will reign. The end does not justify the means. We don't embrace someone just because they're doing some of the things that we want done and then try to brush away that which is wrong. The church needs to call out that which is wrong. And I don't care who does it. It does not matter. We have to call out what is wrong. That is our job. We cannot uh, align ourselves with a political affiliation and back that person up and hide the disgusting things where people are being strong-armed and bullied, where people are being thrown under the bus, where people are being made fun of. Think about all these things that are happening. The church can't stand for that. So I don't back a candidate. Yes, I I need to do my part as a citizen, but I need to speak out. You know what I found? I'd rather speak out against the issues. I want to back the issues that God says important, like taking care of the poor, taking care of the people who, who don't have the strength to take care of themselves. That's what God has called us to do, to love the poor, the imprisoned, the widowed. That's what God has for us. So let's call out the issues. Because if we're not careful, if we call out just a political figure, and then when it comes to the issues, if that one political figure doesn't fall on the side of Scripture, then what do we do? We need to stand on the issues and call out the things that Scripture says. Because Jesus said, if you don't feed the poor, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned, take care of the widows, you don't have a part of me. And by the way, that doesn't mean just paying your taxes at the end of the year. Well, the taxes take care of that. No, the taxes is the government that we asked, man asked for a long time ago when they said, give us a king. God says, you're going to live to regret it. But he gave him a king. And so now look at us today. What, 3,500 years later or something like that? Guess what? 
We're paying taxes. We're sending our people off. We're doing all the things that God said were exactly what happened when we wanted a king. Because living under his rule wasn't good enough. And so we got what we got. We had to live with it. But we need to live according to this. Not according to a political affiliation and political expediency. And by the way, if we're not careful, we'll find out that some of the conservative things that conservatives stand on are unscriptural. And so by that, I'll leave it there. And we'll talk about the issues at another time. But I'll be glad to talk about them. And I'll talk about them from the rooftop. I have no problem doing it. But there are things that even conservatives, you know, we, we talk about the conservative right. We think that, you know, that those are just all Christians and everybody on the left are non-Christian. Listen, the problem is, is I have friends, even, listen, even a, a, a friends that are atheists that have more compassion in their heart than some people who say they love Christ. That is a problem. That is a problem. Weariness can come by working against God. Weariness can come by putting provisions over the provider. Now, y'all might want to write that one down. It'll be on the, uh, it'll be on the app, though. Y'all have it on the app. Weariness comes by putting the provisions before the provider. What does that mean? Let's go to Haggai. Haggai or Haggai or Something like that. I don't know. You ever wonder where I got these names? Like, Lord, you know, just some of these names don't make sense. Can't we just call it the Book of Jim? That's easy. Haggai or whatever you say it. By the way, it's probably it's Hebrew, so it's probably something like that. You got to watch yourself around people that speak Hebrew. If you hakalugi, you might accidentally say something you didn't mean to say. You got to be careful. Haggai chapter one, starting at verse three, says this. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet and says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes in it. What is he saying here? God doesn't use the word weary here. We don't see the weary in the, in the verbiage. But do you get a picture of weary people here? Now think about why they're weary. Because God says, listen, you got to remember they were exiled and now they've come back to rebuild the temple. Now here they were exiled over in Babylon and said, we can't wait to get back and work on the temple. we got to build God's house and do all this. Then they finally get back and they're like, well, we'll get to God's house. But, but right now i got to fix up my So God says, you know what the result of that is? You know what the result of it is, is that you are taking and putting yourself above me? Is that everything that you get is never going to be enough. You'll never have your fill. You get money just to put it in bags with holes in it. Anybody ever think there's a hole in your bank account? I think some of my money done fell clean through. Y'all know what I'm saying? Good gravy, I reckon. Man, it's like you put it in. I used to think Sal was spending it or something. Sal, what you do? I thought Sal had some big nest egg like Scrooge McDuck or something, you know? He just, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched that not too long ago. It was kind of funny. He had a lot of money, but he was a duck. It was cool. But, man, the money goes in and out. We, we've all lived it. I've done that. Sal and I have talked about it. We had the money back that we just frivolously spent. We had the money back that we bought all the things that we thought we needed to have. Only to turn around when we moved out of our last house, we gave a lot of the stuff away. We had no room for it, and we did it. 
I didn't. You ever found something you had two of that you didn't know you had two of? And you know, went and bought it twice again because you couldn't find the two you had? I had like five cult guns. Nice ones, too. I ain't talking about them cheapies. I ain't talking about them little blue cheap ones. I'm talking about them orange nice jobs. You know, big strong metal goods, the big tubes or the little tubes. Five of them and couldn't find one when I needed it. Had all kind of stuff. You know how many refrigeration gauges I got? You know how many screwdrivers I got? I, I mean, I got stuff coming out of my ears out of two sheds in, in a back room, and we done converted one, one toilet room into a, into a storage area. Got stuff everywhere. Just spin, spin, spin. Had to have a bigger house. The one we had wasn't big enough. Now we have no house. Lived in a camper for two years. That's an adjustment. You go from 3,400 square feet to, do we have a square? I don't know how many square feet the trailer was. It's seven by 32, do the math, seven by 36. That's about what it is. Whatever it is, it's maybe a couple hundred. By the way, you know you're lazy and fat when you are dreading going upstairs in your camper. Now that's the truth. We would sit, Sal's laughing because she knows it's true. We'd be sitting in our recliner watching our 26 inch television. Look, it was like a big screen. It was like being at the Hoyt Theater. Right, 26 inch because you sat so close when I put my recliner out, my feet almost hit it, right? And so you're looking there, look, you got your remote back here so it'll work. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody come in, you got to put your feet down so they can get by. You know what I'm talking about? It'll be sitting there recliner, we do this, and all sounds like you need to go to bed. I don't feel like going upstairs. <laughs> it was two steps. <laughs> two. My old house over here, we had a whole big upstairs, 10 foot ceilings. Right? Now, I done got to the point where I don't want to walk upstairs in a camper. I don't know what that's got to do with being weary on this, but I guess that's just how weary I was. Man, I, I, we think about what we've gone through, the things we've done, things we've bought, things we didn't bought, didn't like it, didn't sold it, and lost money. I lost money on everything I ever sold. I get after Dwayne Myers all the time. I'm like, I don't know how you do it. He buys low and sells high. I buy high and sell low. I am his dream. He just wants to walk behind me and let me know if you got anything for sale. Why, you want it? I don't know, whatever it is, you're probably selling it way low to what it's worth. I'll take it. Right? He's like Fred Sanford of Inwood. I buy stuff high and sell it low. I, I don't know. I've never been able to. But I'm telling you, I'm the epitome of this verse most of my life. And it took shaking us up until the point where we had to make a decision. Do we keep the house and do this? Or do we stay in the ministry and do that? We finally had to make that decision. And listen, it was a hard decision. The only reason it was hard because I physically and my pride and my flesh wanted to keep those things. But when I finally released myself from the pride that was associated with the house and all that other stuff, when I finally walked away from that, listen, that was the, that was, you talk about freedom. Oh, I think of myself, freedom, freedom. Right? Let go of that stuff. People say, where do you live now? Well, it depends on what day. Right now, I live upstairs in church, but if somebody needs it, I guess I'm back out in the camper. <laughs> I took a job, and I took a job in, in pretty, you know, mid-level, kind of mid-to-high-level management, and they're like, you know, they were talking about their houses. They where do you live? I live up in West Virginia. Oh, really? I mean, what kind of house you got? I'm like, it's on the wheels. They're like, what? Because <laughs> when I took the job, I was still living in the camper. I feel like that guy on Saturday Night Live. I'm living in the river, down by the river in a van. But listen, freedom, freedom. Think about all the money we spent just trying to look like we were something. 
Because I lived several years of my life where I wouldn't even wear a pair of jeans. I wore doctors because that was the kind of position I had, and I wanted to make sure I looked apart, talked apart, did all that thing that I needed to do, and I was going to take over the company, and God said, no. And now you can't get me out of jeans again. Wear big overalls. Shoot, since the coronavirus, I don't wear socks most of the time. <laughs> if it wasn't for wearing these new boots I got, I probably wouldn't put socks on tonight. Last week I didn't wear them. Man, this is amazing when you release yourself from that stuff. But look at the people here. They put the provisions over the provider. God said, build my house. And then you'll have everything you need. But if you're going to put yourself first, you're just going to keep putting your money in holes, bags with holes in it. He said, you live in your sealed houses, your paneled houses. You know what that means? Your houses are being done. You're spending the time on your house, but yet my house lies in waste. I think about that sometimes when we have work days in church. All right, your house looks pretty good. We need to work on God's house. But that's just the way. But that's what God's saying here. So you're telling me they're not weary in this scripture? They're weary. Why? Because you know what happens when you work and, and you, at the end of the month you ain't got no money left? You work harder. That's what you, that's what you do. You don't say, maybe I need to slow down spending. Most people say this, I need to work more. Isn't that weird? We don't want to slow down spending. We want to work more. And God's over here saying, when you finally get it, I'll be here. I'm gonna love you through it. But until then, you're gonna try to you're gonna just gonna keep trying to outwork yourself and you're never gonna get there. Weariness. Do you see a lot of people running around looking like that? Totally weary. You see what God's saying? God's saying, How have I wearied you? How have I made you weary? What have I done that's caused your weariness? The weariness comes from us. We create it. And then we want to weep to God like somehow you're asking him to fix it. And all along he's saying, listen, you need to fix your heart. And you have to make that decision. And when you do, I'll be here to love you through it. And I'll be here to give you a new, a new look on life when you're ready. Weariness can come from improper motives. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to the brother. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 through 4 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So think about what's being said in these passages here. Do not grow weary of doing good for in due season. You will reap if you do not give up. Remember, it's not about this life. We are laying treasures up in heaven. Right? So we're living our lives with an eternal view, not a mortal view. We're looking at immortality. And more specifically, we're looking at our destiny in immortality. Our soul's going to live on one way or another. It's will it live on in the presence of God or will it live on in complete destruction? But it says, don't grow weary of doing good for a new season. So what would make a person grow weary of doing good? Think about it. What makes you grow weary in doing good? When the people you're helping don't appreciate it? When others around you don't pat you on the back? When things don't go your way? When people don't do it the way you wanted it done? Oh, we're getting somewhere. 
Right? I can see people already on the other side of the screen. You're talking about me. Yes, I am. I'm talking about you. And me. Because I do it too. I'm about done pastoring. You know how many times I said that? These sheep. I'm just leaving it there. I done said some other things on earlier. I got to cut out the video earlier. Chris was talking about the choir. By the way, I, I'm going to tell you, I hope I never get used to preaching to four people. I'm sure to some people this is probably used to, I don't ever want to get used to this. But you think I'm talking about you, and I am. <clears throat> because we've all done it. Let's face it, we've all done it. We've grown weary of doing good because somebody didn't appreciate it. Or somebody took advantage of it. Do you realize, listen, it's not my job to be the moral police. Now, it's my job as pastor, if you're doing something wrong, to call you out on it. Right? But the fact is, is that God has called us not only to help the brother, but God has also uh, commanded us to take care of those who are poor or needy. And why do we do that? In effort to spread the gospel. You just don't go over to a tribe in Amazon and say, all right, I'm here to, I'm here to tell you about Jesus and go home. Usually, your own, you know, people go to do medical work. They go to do educational work. They usually go to do something. Do you realize that a lot of people will leave their homes and they cover their homes and don't go to these foreign countries, live in a way that's totally different, it's not that they just go over and talk about Jesus for a few hours a day and then they go home and they prop their feet up. Do you realize most people who are missionaries actually go over there to work at another job and use that as a way to get their feet in and build relationships so they can tell people about Jesus? I think about Miss um, Al Smith, all the years she spent in Cote d'Ivoire, Africa, ministering to families uh, through health and nursing and and helping the young ladies there. And she said she always had an abundance of babies to hold, though she never had any of her own. She said it's not that she didn't want to maybe ever get married or have children, but it just wasn't part of God's plan for her. And she goes, and I had to be okay with that. But you don't think that Miss Alice ever grew weary in well-doing? I'm sure there were times like, you know, I give and I give and I give, and some people just take, 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 take. You ever met one of those people that are just like a life sucker? You know what I'm saying? You got life savers, then you got life suckers. They will just suck the life right out of you. Sometimes they make me weary. But listen, usually when they make me weary, it's when I'm thinking about my effort and what I'm doing, and I think I ought to either get credit for it or see more advancement in what I'm doing or whatever. And that's when guys like, listen, you're only responsible for being obedient. Elizabeth Elliot said this. By the way, if you ever have a chance to watch, look at the end of the spear. Elizabeth Elliot's husband was killed, if I remember the story correctly. Her husband, I think, was the one who got killed, right, down in the Amazon. But yet she stayed and loved those people and shared the gospel with those people. Why? Not because she didn't miss her husband, but she knew that, that God had a plan for their lives. And she says, our job is to be obedient. The results are up to God. It wasn't, the results wasn't for her to say. Some people will pass for church if it ain't running a certain amount, and they're like, I gotta go somewhere else, or you know. Like, listen, it's, it's my, I gotta be obedient. The results are up to God. Now, I don't ever wanna run anybody off because I am preaching in a way um, out of my own frustration. But I'm not gonna water down God's word to try to keep people either. 
and I've made it, I made it a point through my ministry that I, I don't chase Christians. I don't chase people who know better. I'll try to get a hold of them, tell them I love them a couple times, but I don't chase Christians. Why? Because they all know better. And a Christian should not be trying to take away from the effort of the gospel to reach the unchurched. Now, do we need to love each other? Yeah, absolutely. We need to love each other. We need to check on each other. We need to do that. But you know what I mean by chasing, right? There are some people that, you know, you just got to do things a certain way. And if you don't sing their song that Sunday, then, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be something to pay there. I was told somebody's like, you know, they'll keep coming as long as you got to visit them about once or twice a month and they'll keep coming. I'm like, Psh. I'm going to tell you what, that stopped with you. Because <laughs> this pastor don't do that. This is not about petting people. It's about delivering the, the beautiful living word of God. But we can get weary from improper motives. We can get tired and we can get restless and wore down when we keep trying to do good, but yet we're wanting somebody to see it. We have to be able to do good and know that God sees it and trust that. Now listen, occasionally it feels good to say, boy, that was good, Pastor. I like that. I really like this. Or, you know, it's nice to get a thank you. When you're up there helping somebody in the clothing closet, getting a thank you goes a long way. And the people that come in, and just because you don't have what they, you know, we're giving this stuff away for free, right? So when we don't have what you need or don't want to have what you want, we can't help that. But there are some people that still get mad about it. Like, right? But, and some people will quit over that. You can't. Why? I wasn't doing it for them anyway. I'm doing it so that God sees it. He says that what he sees, right, what's done in private will be shouted up on the rooftops. Right? I want to put treasures up in heaven. I don't want to get the treasure here. We're almost done. We can grow weary through discouragement of others who lay down on the job around us or those who refuse to listen to sound teaching. Boy, that'll wear you out too, won't it? Because sometimes, listen, you know what really hurt a church is when somebody who was involved and stuff just decides to lay down and quit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15 says, For we hear that some, of, some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Matter of what they're saying is not only are they not doing their job, but they're talking about it. Everybody else that is trying to do it. Boy, that makes you feel good, don't it? So you're going to be lazy and sit on your keister and then have enough gall to talk about it too. That's what he's saying here, by the way. It says, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. In other words, do what you're supposed to do. It says, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. You know what he's saying? Don't let those other people who are willing to lay down stop you from doing what God gave you to do. It says, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now listen, this is important. Because a lot of times people would be actually... Uh, uh, Pouting as little kids, just pouting, right? And they let you know, and, and you, you try to get them to say, listen, you know, I, I understand you're upset, but we need to kind of you know, come back together here. And they just want to pout for a while. And then finally, you know, they, they finally, a couple Sundays later, come in, and everybody wants to make a big fuss on them. I, by the way, I hate that. What, you just lay out a couple extra Sundays so people make a big fuss, you can make a grand entrance? I'm here! Ah! I, I, it's a good thing I'm only preaching to four. Look, listen, don't listen to me. Listen to what the word says. Do you see where it says have nothing to do with him that he may be ashamed? I didn't write that. 
I didn't write this word. This was a letter that was sent out to the church of Thessalonica. This is what God says to do. He says, listen, if they, if they want to go out and there be an idol among you, and then not only that, there be a busybodies. He said, then show them this letter. And if they don't listen to this letter, they don't have nothing to do with them that they may be ashamed and realize. Because Christians had not act like that. Are we going to be Christ followers? Or are we going to be people that just go to church? Because there's a huge difference. There's going to be a lot of people who just go to church. And in that day, God's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. Because having your name on a church roll is not going to take you to heaven. People grow weary. People lay down, and then they talk about everybody. He says, listen, talk to them once and tell them. But if they ain't going to listen, then just, you know what, say, listen, when you, when you get your wits about you and you come back and understand what's right, let us know we'll be here. But I'm going to tell you right now, do not expect me as a pastor to throw streamers and, and blow horns when you walk in the door. You should have been here all along anyway. Grow up. You see, that's what we're really seeing in America right now. People need to grow up. And I believe God has put the brakes on it. You've been running around, you've been talking, you know, you've got every excuse in the world why you can't be in God's house and why you can't live a life that is committed to him and causes other stuff. So I'll stop it all. I'll stop it all. I'm going to interrupt the, your, your lifestyle. I'm even going to interrupt the flow of, of the money. By the way, he interrupts the flow of money and we're still the richest nation around. Still. It's hit a lot of us. I've actually had to take a furlough of work, too. I mean, it's hitting people. I understand that. And a lot of people have lost their job completely. And listen, I want you to know that I, at the bottom of my heart, I hate it for those folks. But listen, some, at some point or another, we've got to put on the brakes. And I believe God has done that. This is not about a, a, about a judgment. A lot of people are preaching judgment like it's everybody else's fault. No, I think this is for the church. If anybody can benefit out of this, it's the church. You understand that? We're worried about preaching and barking to other people like, like they're the ones sitting under judgment. It's the church that ought to sit in judgment of its own self and say, what did we do and how did we contribute to the lifestyle that we've become accustomed to that is just not part of God's word? Maybe it's me. All right, enough of that one subject. You're already mad. Here's another one. We grow weary from worry. Right? We grow weary from worry. He, in Matthew chapter 6, and we'll get into Matthew chapter 6 a lot more next week. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, not, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So listen, if God had promised you to supply you with everything that you need, what is the problem and why are you worried about it? Now listen, I've, I've also dealt with anxiety in my life as well. When the anxiety, the panic attack comes on you, listen, it's bad. Now I know there are varying degrees. You know what my go-to is when I start having that? And I, I haven't got them near as much. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time I had one. But I remember a time where I just seemed I was plagued with it. I'd call Sal. And if Sal wasn't available, I'd call one of the boys. All I needed was somebody just to talk to for a minute just to kind of get over that hump. If you ever talk about panic attacks, you'll find out that's what a lot of people say when they have a panic attack. They just need to hear something, uh, something familiar to them just to kind of talk through, get your breathing back under control, and get yourself settled down. I understand what anxiety is like. So I'm not preaching from a perspective like I've never felt it, I've never been through it. But I also found out that, you know, when I finally release myself of worrying about what everybody else is doing, 
Remember, they realize that God's always going to supply my needs. It may not come in the form I want, right? Instead of a Corvette, it may be a Chevette. But listen, it's got four wheels and got an engine. It'll get me from point A to point B. And bless God, right now, I'm having to drive a Ford. But you know what? If that's what God has given me, I'll drive it. I'll drive the wheels off the thing. Like, literally, I'll drive the wheels off the thing. Why? Because, the, anyway, it's just sad. It could be worse. It could be a Chevy. Our company's going to Chevrolet cars. And I'm like, really? I'm going to have to look for another job. Listen, if that's what God has for me, I guess I'm just going to have to get myself in one and learn to push it and like it. <laughs> it's just going to have to live with it. But that's just the way it is. But listen, we worry. I've, I've talked to people like, did you see what so-and-so posted with? I'm like, why are you reading all that junk? Matter of fact, listen, if you miss Wednesday night, you miss Brother David Thomas uh, and his devotion he did. He's talking about, you know, don't even, just don't even, you know, like not even watching the news anymore. I don't trust none of it anyway. I found that our denomination has been really good about interviewing doctors like from Duke University and also I found that, you know what, there's some, there's some information out here that I can get in places that I trust. I don't need CNN. I don't need Fox neither, right? I don't, I don't trust none of them. But we get so caught up in news and everything going on, then we look at social media on time. People watch the news and look at social media at the same time. Listen, your head's going to blow apart if you keep doing it. Right? And so and so said this and so and so that. You see these people, these people are whacked in the head. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. People are whacked in the head. Why? Because that's the way the world is. They're selfish and that's just what they do without Christ. People are headed in every direction and headed for destruction and listen and laughing on the way there because they don't know better. So that shows us that we got a job to do. But we need to quit worrying. God already promised to provide our needs. If we grow weary from worry, then that comes back to us not trusting God. Not trusting Him. I've had that conversation many times with many people over the last month. Right? If you're worried and you're weary from worry, then listen, then what is it about God's promises to you that you don't believe? By the way, they don't like it when you tell them that. So what about God? What, what about God don't you believe? Well, it's not that I don't believe God. Well, sure it is. Because if God promised to take care of you and all this, then listen, you know what I need to do? Do what is right and roll on with the right. By the way, next week, that's what we're going to get into because then Micah actually says, you know what? God says, Here, this is the way to live. And we'll talk about that. I've got one more for you. We get ready to close. It is, and the reason I wanted to touch this is because this is something that hits me personally, but I know it hits several people there. There is also something else that will make us grow weary. And you may not have control over Because I know there's somebody right now saying, listen, he's hit everything else that people control. What about me? I don't have control over this. Physical pain. Physical pain will make you weary. It'll wear you down. It does. And I can't deny it. I live in it. I live every day with it. And there's been times I ask the Lord, so listen, I'm gonna, I want to turn. And, and so what happened was I added this to my notes. I was like, man, I really, I'm, I'm really going to miss the, the boat here if I, if I don't address this. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know this verse. You know this passage. It says, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You're talking about a man who was stoned and left for dead. I forget how many lashes he suffered under. 
thrown in prison. You talk about shipwrecked, bitten by a viper. I mean, think about all the things that Paul, there's no way his body was not racked with pain, right? Because I can tell you, you know, uh, me and Chris was talking about physical pain before we even started the day, you know, in the accident that he was in. I mean, the remnants of that accident will plague him until the day he dies, right? And his hip that he broke and all those other, you know, and I'm, my spine is never going to be right at this point. It's never going to be right. Matter of fact, I was scheduled to have a surgery, and then we got news about Sal, so I canceled that now. I don't know when I ever get it fixed. And so every day I live with the pain of that, you know. And for a couple, there was a time I was like, all right, Lord, when are you going to get this thing over? Here, I want God to hurry up and get through what he's trying to teach us so I can get my neck fixed. That's selfish of me. Paul says, well, listen, if God's not going to take it away, then I'll just boast in my weakness. I'll live through it. And, you know, sometimes that, that's a big boy answer. That's a grown-up answer, isn't it? Right? The name it and claim it is just claim it, and God's got to do it. He didn't do it for Paul. Right? Writer of the majority of the New Testament. He didn't do it for Paul. You can name it and claim it all you want. If it ain't in God's will, friend, it ain't getting done. But let me tell you something. If you claim something in God's name that ain't his will, you better watch out. Because you know what? You're, just, you're becoming a false prophet. Because you're claiming something that's not going to happen and you're using his name. That is serious. I wouldn't want to be standing in the seat of some of these health and wealth preachers out here that are taking money and listen, where are they helping the poor? What happened when they flooded down in Houston? <laughs> you didn't see the Osteen church open up and take everybody in? What's interesting thing about health and wealth is they accumulate the wealth. And people claim to the health that sometimes they never get. Why? Because sometimes we need it. You know what Paul was saying here? I asked God to remove it, but yet to keep me from getting conceited. I'm wondering sometimes if I felt better, what I might do different. And I mean ungodly, not godly. I'm wondering if I wouldn't live maybe not as close to the cross. I didn't have pain to remind me that I need him. So listen, that's a big boy and a big girl answer. That's hard stuff. But it's time we grow up. But listen, well, Huff, if I'm hurting, can't I be weary? Listen, your body may be weary, but it doesn't mean your spirit has to be weary. We have to learn to thank God for the trials. That's what James said. Thank God when various trials come. You just want to smack James in the face sometimes. James, what are you thinking? But yet it's absolutely correct. I can tell you this. When I get up to face the day, even if it's a day that I wake up in pain where I'm hurting really bad, I find out that if I thank God for the day, the day goes better. That if I get up and be like, oh, Lord, this is going to be one of them days. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you try to get to the coffee maker? <laughs> right? And you thank God it's a curing so you don't have to wait so long. Because I, I couldn't wait on that hot drip. Man, good. You know what I'm saying? Thank God we don't live back in the days of percolators. Good grief. Wow. Right? Trying to, we got our fuzzy slippers on. Trying to, Paul never had no fuzzy slippers, I don't think, right? I mean, think about all the stuff we have. I got a power recliner. Listen, my recliner, I don't even have to put effort behind it. I hit a button. I can adjust my, my neck thing. Even got a USB charger for my phone built in that thing, man. I got me one of them deluxe couches. You know what I'm saying? With power, baby. I'm talking Tim Allen done got a hold of mine and supercharged. It's awesome. 
I got all these things to help me through the day. Now I look back and Paul didn't have near those kind of comforts, but I'm sure he had more pain than I probably ever experienced. Could you imagine the bruises you'd be left if you were stoned and left for dead? I bet that would leave a mark. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, I, I forget what town was at Ephesus. No, it wasn't Ephesus, but I imagine Paul every down and probably walked like, Ephesus, that's not like that, right? I mean, grim, oh, grim, oh. You know what I'm saying? But he said here, so I wouldn't get conceited. So, yeah, there are some times that we have to deal with pain and pain every day. And I don't want to make light of or make fun of it because there's some people that it's a lot more pain than I am. I can tell you that. I, I think about some poor folks that have just been going after it for years. For years. You know, I, I, I just I know some I know some folks. There's some folks here close to our church that has been been after it for years. I mean, just unreal. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I think about Jeff's wife. Sometimes when I get hurt and I get to complain, I think about Jeff's wife. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. I'm a sissy because that poor lady's been through the ringer. You know, these are tough things. You know, what's tough is trusting God and knowing that he could take it away if he wanted to. He has the power, but he chose not to. So you know how to overcome weariness from pain? It's just claiming to the promise that one day I'll live without it. One day it'll be goodbye here, hello there. One day I'll live without this pain. But until then, I will proclaim his goodness and that his love and trust that I have in him because I know that he loves me because this pain, this pain in no way reduces the amount of love that God has for me. The amount of pain that I'm in, in no way, no shape or no form, has anything to do with how much love he has for me. The fact is, is that when we are out of strength, that is when we rely on him. Because when we think about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, a lot of times we'll say that when we're trying to do something we want. Right? I'm going to start a business. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not if he doesn't want you to have that business. You can do all things you want. If, right? It doesn't matter. But it's about when we'll live in his will. I can do all things. And you know what? Some days I have to live in Christ more than others. But that's when God makes the difference. So God, you know what? Today's day is full of pain. I, I, I'm up against it. I know that you love me. I do not doubt, and I will not sit here and doubt your love for me. I'm going to claim to your love, and I ask you for your strength, because whatever you don't take away from me, please give me the strength to endure. Paul prayed three times that that thorn in the flesh would be gone. I don't know what it is. We don't know. He never said. There's been theologians talk about different things about Paul uh, based on some early church history or whatever. We don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. My thorn is my spine. Your thorn may be something else. Chris's hip. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever your thorn is. Yes, God could take it away in an instant if he wanted to. But since he hasn't, then I must trust that there is a purpose. And when I realize that there is a purpose for my pain, and I realize he'll be the strength for me in my pain, then I can live without being weary. Oh, I'm hurting. I'm tired. But not weary. The Lord's question was, how have I wearied you? How have I made you weary? What have I done to you? Your weariness is because you won't trust me. Your weariness is when you put you before me. Your weariness is when you think that you know the answer and I'm not doing it like you think I should. 
your weariness is usually caused by your lack of trust. My weariness, when I look back at the times I'm weary, yeah, there's times I'm physically weary just because I'm literally wore out and tired. But even then, a lot of times it's because I've been on the go and I haven't taken the proper time as prescribed by God in his word to rest. You see, Sundays, not, you know, Sundays was a busy day for me. And so I had learned that, you know what, Mondays, Monday became my day to, I never schedule my usually I tried to never schedule myself out of town. I usually tried to make sure I was always working from home on a Monday, and Monday was gonna be my day to kind of take that in and for restoration to relax. Because Sunday's a work day for a pastor. Why? Because I learned that I needed it. Because God's word told me. And I found that when I started doing that, my life was much better. Are you weary? Now, let me just kind of give you a flash to the to next Sunday. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, he says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what Micah said through the Lord. And then Jesus kind of, Jesus gave a, a one-line answer to that very question as well. And we're going to show how that lines up. And so we're going to show how to live next week. Now that we realize that we're weary, and that we're probably the cause of our own weariness, now let's march forward and live in a way to where we shut off the weariness and we exude hope for everybody who comes in contact with us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we know that your word sometimes is harsh, sometimes it's difficult, because, Lord, it gets to the, Lord, to the heart of the matter where sometimes I realize that I just I, I make myself the priority. I make myself the center of attention. Uh, but, God, we know that, Lord, that you are the... Lord, that you need to be a priority. You need to be the center. And Lord, so much of our weariness is bound up in, Lord, our own thinking, our own actions, letting ourselves get sidelined by other folks. Um, Lord, we, we all do it. And so, God, we ask you, Lord, for your strength and for your help. Lord, in those areas of, of, of weariness, Lord, that, that maybe someone heard today. Uh, Lord, maybe one of those things resonated with them. And Lord, and they've been weary. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that they're able to Lord, just truly take in your word, come to an understanding, uh, Lord, of how, Lord, we know that our attitude is dependent upon us and our outlook. And Lord, sometimes when I don't see you for the beautiful God that you are, the loving God and all the promises that you've given us, Lord, when I lose sight of that, Lord, I find myself getting weary. So Lord, we pray today, Lord, that maybe we'll hit that reset button, that we'll just, again, align ourselves, uh, Lord, with you, make you the priority. And realize that living in you, uh, Lord, is the answer. And Lord, living with eternity in view. So Father, we pray today. Lord, I pray for all those who are hurting. Lord, we think about those. Uh, Lord, we got word today that one of our fellow pastors, his daughter, uh, tested positive. She's been a healthcare worker. Uh, Lord, and she's really sick. Lord, her name is Angie. Lord, we know that you know her. We pray for her today. Lord, we pray for all those who are hurting. Uh, Lord, we know that physical pain is no joke. Uh, but God, we know that you're able to help us, Lord. Help us to rise above, Lord, the things that you don't take us away from. Lord, we know that you'll take us through. And so, Lord, we'll trust in you and know that your strength is enough and that your grace is sufficient. So, Father, we pray for all those who may be under the weather or those who may be experiencing pain. Uh, God, that you would uh, have your hand upon them, uh, Lord, and help them. So, Lord, that they, Lord, while their body may be tired, Lord, that their spirit will not be weary. Lord, we love you. We pray these things, Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.